0: Today is, I'm very excited about today. I've actually met this person. I haven't met most of the people I haven't met because I'm not 100 years old. <laughs> 200 years old. Uh, yeah. But Johnny, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. How many of you are familiar with Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman? David is, yes, we watched the documentary last night. Uh, although David's met her too, she was a big fan of David's music when she met him. I was out in Phoenix, I think very tall woman uh she was born in 1930 and she made her transition in 2014 she was ordained as a unity minister in 1958 and i really encourage you guys to go on youtube and things and watch her videos and uh she made significant shifts within the unity movement within the new thought movement she was a college graduate with a master's in divinity, though she had no plans to become a minister. In 1952, she received a phone call, she says. And, uh, and I assume it was from a doctor, but she doesn't say so. And I, I've heard a lot of her story before from, from her. I heard it we, when we first opened the church in New York. We met with her people, her and her people. They came to New York to meet with us to see about joining together. We didn't do it. But uh, I got to hear her story then, and then at a convention I heard her story, and it's some story. So anyway, in 1952, she got a phone call who told her she had six months to live. Imagine that. You answer the phone. You don't see that coming, do you? You have six months to live. What are you talking? Why would you call me and tell me that? She said, I'm just here to give you the message. You have six months to live. Well, first she had a breakdown in her living room. And then she got herself together and she was on her way to her bedroom when she, uh, banged into a coffee table and a magazine fell on the floor and opened to a page and the page said, God is your health, you cannot be sick. What? Imagine that. What are the odds? <laughs> the day you get the phone call that you have six months to live, you're gonna... Uh, knock a magazine on the floor that says, God is your health, you cannot be sick. And she said she argued with the magazine for a while. And and then her mother came in and told her where that came from. It had been written at a place called Unity Village. And she, uh, her mother suggested she go to this Unity School and ask the teachers there all the questions she had about healing, about wholeness. So she went to Unity Village at least in Leeson, Missouri, and she enrolled in these classes. And she was introduced to our principles that one did not have to die or be sick or be poor or be lonely or unhappy. She was also taught that one had to practice these principles in order to, in order to vanquish these conditions. These principles don't just happen to us. One must become a practitioner. Now her ultimate healing came from an unhappy circumstance for her. Uh, She was black. Weren't a lot of those in Unity at the time. (laughs) Those those people. Uh, (laughs) And segregation was big at Unity Village. It was a she wasn't allowed, as a student, to live on campus. All the white students were, she was not. She had to live 15 miles away in Kansas City and commute back and forth. And she didn't care if that, and uh, she, uh, after a bit of studying, she, she, had, she had to question whether unity was the place for her to be. You know, I don't know if this is right for me. And then, uh, uh, sh- that night, she had a dream. And the dream told her, you are in the right place at the right time. And the next day was a big rainstorm, and she drove out to the village, and she walked in. She said she threw her raincoat down, and she said, I'm quitting. This isn't right, and I don't want to be here. And her fellow students said, what if we take up a petition that you be allowed to live? here with us. And they did. And the rules changed. It changed. So she was the first Black or African American, whichever term you prefer, uh, to live on the grounds at Unity Village. And she was not treated differently. She was a part of her class. And she went on to become an ordained unity minister in 1950, oh, 1958. And after her ordination, she went to Chicago and she started up a church in her kitchen. Mm-hmm. Maybe her living room doesn't matter, does it? Really, <laughs> she never held the most amount of people. And she uh, she quickly outgrew her living room. <laughs> and uh, so that she needed, needed a place and she and her friend And her friend's name was, oh, 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 I know what, I wrote it down here actually to make sure. Oh, Esther Layton was her friend who went on to become her assistant minister. They went church shopping. Mm -hmm. They went looking for a place to meet. And they met with this man who was renting a building and the man said, well, that was $500 a month rent. And uh, Johnny Coleman, she started to say, well, we can't, and Esther Layton said, we'll take it. So well, I guess we'll take it. And I love what Johnny Coleman says. We had these two very large purses with nothing in them, <laughs> but we took this church, and soon we filled it up to overflowing, to the point where we had to get a new location. And they 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 put, and they built one, and I think it, it held two hundred and fifty people, and she ended up doing three or four services. Sunday because it filled up so quickly. And they said, we got to build a bigger church. Now her thought, I, I, This is this is where, if you're paying attention, like she was, she thought, let's build a place that holds 10,000 people. Let's just get it done. One service a Sunday. And she said, thank the Lord my prayers were not answered. <laughs> 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 we built a place, uh, 4,000 seats. And uh, they filled it. They filled. They did great things there. They still. They're still in it. Called Christ Universal Temple. Where? In Chicago. Christ Universal Temple. She went on. She broke away after serving as president of the Association of Unity Churches. After breaking the sex, or doing her best to breaking all the segregation on the Unity grounds, because she would. Take busloads of people from her church. Mm-hmm. Her goal was to give the African American American community an understanding of what prosperity is. Mm-hmm. And she had a very grand church. I mean, uh, when they did the offering, the ushers wore white gloves. People dressed up to come to church to you know to build up that that este- self esteem that. We're all worthy of the whole kingdom. It's not based on race, it's based on willingness. It's based on the willingness to see oneself as worthy. And these are the principles. She did great things for the African-American community in Chicago and, and took it around. There's at least 30 now, Universal Foundation for Better Living churches nationwide. And that became her movement. She broke, after she had served as president of the association, she uh, started her own movement. She broke away from unity started her own movement called the Universal Foundation for Better Living. She had her 4,000 seat church, and they, they had a good time. I've watched several videos now. And when I met her, I, there was a profound power emanating from her, very tall. She's a very tall woman, a big wig. Uh, one person in, in one of the documentaries that I watched said, sometimes we just went to see what she was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> and what hairpiece she might have on that day. And, uh, but, she told truth principle after truth principle after truth principle. She wasn't talking about race. She was talking about truth principles how they apply to individuals and uh, to groups and that's what i admired about her when i i spoke on the same bill with her at the international new thought alliance nothing about race in that it was about truth principles you must apply that mary Tompkin, reverend dr mary Tompkin, who david and i met several times as well she was her second in command not of her church but of the universal foundation for better living mary Tompkin was based in miami she was tough one you you if you didn't want to go to her if you were whining about something <laughs> you didn't want, if you were going to come to her about being out of principle she was going to blast you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was I watched her do it at conventions to people what are you whining to be for <laughs> this is the principle duh, duh, duh. and uh, it's not unlike me sometimes <laughs> I understood you know the, these these people who uh We're really powerful in the movement. Uh, They're not ones to say, oh, you poor thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. They're ones to say, well, what's the principle? What's the principle? How do you apply it? And uh, you want a happy life? Well, what's the principle of joy? You want a relationship? Well, what's the principle for relationship? Do you want money? What's the principle for prosperity? If you want this, this, what's the principle? And it's feeling sorry for yourself is not the principle. But what Johnny Coleman, her name was, you want it, go to God. You want it, go to God. Whatever it is you want, go to God. Now, where I come in in all this is, what does that mean to go to God? It's, it can no longer be for us to go to an old man in the sky. And it doesn't help to modernize it to go to a woman in the sky. <laughs> yeah, you call God he or she, you're still personifying it. You're not going within principle. God is principle itself. God is love itself. God is presence itself. God is power itself. Let's all get this very clear today. Labor Day weekend. Nowhere does it say God is personality itself. Nowhere does it say God is powerful. It says God is power. So, go to God no longer means go to somebody. It means, go to the principal. Mm. In the principal's office, you will find what you are looking for. That is a cue for our retreat. We have a retreat coming up in November called Finding What You Are Looking For, three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, Uh there's We'll talk about that later. Anyway, go to God. So, if I want a relationship And I hear go to God, it certainly doesn't mean, oh, please, God, send me a relationship. Because the thing is, if that's what I'm asking for, I'll keep finding the same relationship that did not work before. Mm -hmm. Because nowhere in that God principle have I sought to shift myself. The principle is I must shift my thinking. If I want a healthy, wonderful relationship, I have to shift my thinking. I remember, uh, I, I was mentoring a, uh, this is not a relationship anymore, uh, except it is. It's about universal relationship. I, re- I remember going, I, I mentored a, a minister out of a church outside of Boston and it was a predominantly african-american church the minister was white the whole board were, were african-american women and i sat down with that whole group meaning the board and the minister and they come kept, 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 well, there were two problems there they kept coming after him and i knew part of the problem was he kept seeking their approval rather than to be their minister and as a minister, you cannot seek the approval of the board. It's a weird relationship because you are their minister. And a church will always test the minister to see if he or she is their minister. But what came up with the board, I said, you, uh, you have a lot of stuff where you feel oppressed, don't you? But you, because you are black, you feel. And I said, where are your prejudices? Where's your racism? Where's your bigotry? And the women first, what are you talking about? And I said, where is yours? If you want to end racism, it doesn't start with any particular race. Every race has to end their prejudice in order to end racism. Even if you were oppressed, if you were the oppressed one, you still have to end the oppression within yourself. You so it all comes down to forgiveness, and forgiveness doesn't. Oh, don't worry about it. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is correct perception. Forgiveness is seeing in truth, in love, and so we cannot perpetuate what was done to us. You know, in my own stuff, in my life, anywhere where prejudice has come towards me, I've had to look at it. And it happened in my own family because, well, I was not the most masculine of children. And my mother had a prejudice about that. And she would come at me. And so I had to forgive that. I had to let it go. That was her foolishness. Later on, she was, wasn't there anymore. I think she would still have preferred that I not be gay. But that was just her stuff. And, uh, you know, that's, oh, that was that old foolish... I can't even call it religious stuff. It wasn't religious... She was afraid of what the neighbors would think. She forgot. I am I allowed to be a strong, powerful woman. And, so, and then she would have had to judge it. I was brought up to be a racist. I was brought up to be prejudiced of people over religions. I was brought up and I didn't agree with them. Something in me did not agree with these adults around me that i should not like somebody based on their skin color by what church they went to and i mean um my mother wasn't allowed to date outside the presbyterian religion i mean it was that prejudice you don't date a catholic you don't marry one that was my grandfather's motto i got nothing against catholics You i uh i was brought up to believe that we are separate. And I've worked very hard over the years to see how are we the same? And I still forget, I'd be called out right on this pulpit for uh, <sighs> uh, terms I have used, for words I have used. I woke up when I got called out. I didn't defend, I woke up. So, oh, I didn't realize. Sometimes I just thought I was being funny. But it wasn't funny to everybody. They hit a button. They hit a button. But you live and you learn. If you're going to get up in front of people, here's the thing, you're going to make a mistake. I have one minister, uh, years ago down in Florida, she said, Sean, if there's a mistake to be made in ministry, I've made it at least twice. <laughs> Every single mistake, I've made it at least twice. And I'm working on a third round. <laughs> But in practicing love, there has to come forgiveness from every side, until there are no sides. Go to God. If you want to understand, go to God. When I had an employer who was mad at me because of the way I had spoken to him. But he couldn't spit that out. He was too embarrassed to say it flat out, how I had offended him. I had to go to God. In that conversation, silently, I said, God, what's going on here? I, I, what, what is it? I need the truth and I need it now. And I got it. Oh, I misspoke. I, I talked to him in his business as if it were my business. And I hurt his feelings and I offended his sensibilities. And I immediately he said, Oh my gosh, I offended you. I misspoke. I should have learned years ago to keep my mouth shut in the hair, and I didn't. Yeah. I apologize for that. And I watched his shoulders go from here to here. And uh, we were fine, always, after that. I thought, this is why you go to God. This is why you go to principle. This is why, so that you don't defend, but so that you can get correct perception. Imagine, take a moment to imagine right now, if you no longer had prejudices against people for their race, or for their thinking, for their behaviors, for the neighborhood they live in, for their past, and you no longer had a prejudice against yourself, for your past, for your thinking, that it didn't matter anymore. It was no longer a concern because I live in love. Today, I live in love. Today, I live in wisdom. Today, I live in understanding. Today, I live in peace. Today, I live in joy. Doesn't mean I don't have any emotions. Doesn't mean I don't have any thoughts. But I live in love. I live in peace. I live in joy. Why? Because I now go to God. Before I make a final decision, I go to God. Meaning, I go to presence, I go to power, I go to understanding, I go to wisdom, I go to love, I go to joy. That's going to God. And so uh, before I make a final decision about anything, I go to God. And when you go to God, understand this, tomorrow you may have to go to God again. (laughs) <laughs> over the same topic because it will have changed by tomorrow and why will it have, might have changed by tomorrow because I went to God today because I went to God today and I healed the person I am today but by the time tomorrow gets here and it's today again I will have shifted I will see things in a new light and a deeper light. I will be a different person on to this today than I was yesterday's today. And as I keep going to God for wisdom, for understanding, I will keep seeing things I used to. You know, I, you know, I remember when I first started healing. I every time I work so hard, so hard to know God. I wanted to know God because it was fascinating to me and it kept being wonderful. And and every time I said, now I know what God is, God would go and change on me. Because the problem was God got bigger and more invisible. The better I knew God, it just got bigger and more invisible and less personality-like. It didn't talk to me in the way I was when I was eight. It didn't talk to me in the way I was when I was fifteen, or twenty. I was at this point in my thirties, and so this God was talking to me very differently, because it spoke from a new understanding. I put myself in a new wineskin, as it is, as opposed to the old one, and I could, you know, and I, 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 uh, it was daunting. But I stayed on the path until for a while I forgot the path, but then I remembered it again, as we do. You know, oh, I'm on this wonderful spiritual path. Now I know. Now I don't have to pay attention for a while. Now I don't have to meditate for a while. Now I don't have to pray for a while. I got this. (laughs) And then suddenly I don't. (laughs) I have drained all that I built up, and I forget I'm irritable, restless, and discontent. And I start to uh, find faults with people that don't exist. And then you come back because you want the peace again. The problem is, though, you think you can come back the same way you went into it before. You can't because you're not that person anymore. Mm -hmm. You still have to go to God, though, and find out what it means. Keep going to God. G-O-D, good orderly direction. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And, And I guess the hardest part, though, is to get still. What was Jesus' instructions? Be still and know. It doesn't say get still and know, it says be still and know. Capital K-N-O-W. Be still and know. Just know what is. And if you can stand it, you'll know what is, but you won't be able to voice it. You won't be able to voice what is. Because there are no words for what is. There is beingness in what is, but it's indefinable because it's infinite. So to be still and know is to become, become okay with the discomfort, to become okay with the comfort Someone I mentor came to me two days ago, yesterday, no, yesterday, said, I'm just so anxious. I said, yeah, you are. He said, but why? I said, the weather's changing. We're going from summer to fall. I said, you were complaining about Daylight Savings Time the day after summer started. Mm-hmm. He came to me and said, now it's going to start getting darker faster. I said, what does that have to do with you? that you're going to make yourself miserable for because it's a second less light today than it was yesterday? That's just looking for ways to be unhappy. (laughs) That is just begging for ways to get back to the irritable, restless, and discontent. I said, but I know what it's like for the seasons to change because I've had many seasons change in my healing. And I get antsy. I get itchy. I said, but it passes. And you still do what ought to be done by you, which is what? Go to God. Go to God. Go to God. I hope (laughs) I don't say the wrong thing because she'll almost send me to hell if I don't, (laughs) or he'll humiliate me. You go to God. How do you go to God? Be still and know. There we go. So that's how it all connects. So, in these uh, upcoming moments, which is the rest of your life, our upcoming moments, there's this moment and the one that's on its way, or the one you're on your way to. In all these upcoming moments, go to God. If you're thinking about next week, go to God now. If you're thinking about last week, go to God now. If you're thinking about your thoughts and where you're still hurt, where your feelings are hurt by what has taken place in the past, I encourage you to go to God to see if there's anything about your thinking that could shift and change. Because you won't get there thinking to shift and change from back then. I, I can guarantee you You will not get your parents, your teachers, anybody to shift their thinking in the past. You will not get that to happen. And as long as you're holding out and waiting for that, you're in trouble. Because you are on the verge of true misery. As long as you need, as most, let's face it, most of those people are dead anyway. As long as you, need them to have been different. You're in trouble. Go to God now and ask what to think. Go to God now. And sometimes you'll hear certain things. I don't want to think that. I just want the healing without changing the thinking. Go to God now. That will give me the peace I need. Well, yeah, but... That should not have happened. And then Spirit says, but it did happen. Yeah, but it should not have happened. But it did happen. But that should not have happened. Have you ever have that argument? Mm-hmm. Anybody? You still have that argument? That should not have happened. And here's the part we miss, Spirit, still trying to say. But it did happen, and it didn't happen the way you're thinking it happened. Those people didn't know what they were saying and doing when they did it. They were insane. (laughs) Those people that hurt you were insane. They didn't know. They didn't know you existed, which really hurts my feelings. To think my mother didn't know I existed when she did some of those things. That my father didn't know. That the neighbors didn't know my teeth. They didn't know uh, about me. I was just this adorable little child standing in front of them. They didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't go to God before they spoke to me. They went to their ego. Why? Because they were insane. (laughs) Don't you be insane. Don't you be insane with yourself today. Don't you be insane and hurt yourself or your neighbor love thy neighbor, love thyself, love God, all in the same time. So it doesn't matter which order you say it in. It's simultaneously, go to God so you can know love. Go to God so you can know love. Go to God so you can know love. As it is, not as you'd like it to be. And so, we have Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman today to thank for her inspirational life. She heard a voice. She said, What am I supposed to do? She heard a voice, she listened to her dreams, and she moved forward to prosper, not just herself, but everybody else. Because she went to God. None of us have except me, maybe me. I have to go out and build a bigger church to hold the people. And you'd say, what? We need more space? And I tell you, yes, we do. We need a different space. We need it on the ground floor and we need plenty of parking. (laughs) Mm. That's what I say. It has to exist just as anything else we need in life has to exist. Let us go to God together as individuals, as a group, and claim that all we already all we need is already here. We need the we don't need love we need the awareness of love. We don't need peace we need the awareness of peace. we don't need joy we need the awareness of joy we don't need anything that we don't already have. So let us give thanks now. For this time together for our ancestors of new thought who told us based on their own experience based on their own healings that all healing spiritual mental and physical exists and it is in god thank you